Holy smokes, guys, it's ready. It's finally here. I wrote this children's book years ago, and I want my boys to know that they have siblings, siblings that unfortunately they won't be able to meet here on earth. I want them to know that I think about our angels and that it's okay if they think about them too. So this book is double-sided. One sided is the brother version. I'm a brother to an angel, and the other side is the sister version. I'm a sister to an angel, and I'm absolutely obsessed with how it turned out. Out. I've ordered a bulk order of 250 copies so if you'd like one for yourself or if you'd like to gift one you can actually pre-order it at shellymetling.com and I will direct link in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for the support you guys and I can't wait to get this book out to you all. Hello everyone. We have Courtney Carter on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her journey. I know her story is pretty fresh still. So Courtney, I am so thankful for you and your vulnerability. I am just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, First of all, I just want to say thank you for this podcast. I found you after I um, had my miscarriage and I really needed that support. And so I'm really thankful for that. Um, So yeah, I'll start um, with my husband and I when, when we met. So we actually met almost seven years before we started dating, which isn't typical. We were very, very good friends for those years. He was one of my best friends. And then finally, um, I realized that he wanted something more. It took me a while. So um, yeah, so after that, we started dating and then pretty much a year later engaged and married. So we got married in June of um, 2016 and uh, it was a beautiful wedding and we are really good partners and I'm very thankful for him, especially at this time in my life and what we're going through. So yeah, so we got married and then pretty much a year into our marriage, we decided that we were going to start trying. So both of us actually prior to marriage were kind of on the fence about having kids. And um, it was actually something that we discussed and said, you know, if I don't want kids, are you going to be okay with that? And he said yes and vice versa. And so a year in, we decided, you know what, this is something that we really want for ourselves and for our family. And so we said, you know what, let's, let's do it. And so we started trying in August and shockingly to both of us, it happened very quickly. So we got pregnant on the first try and um, truthfully that pregnancy was very easy. Um, They say ignorance is bliss because I had no concept of what could go wrong at that time. I wasn't worried about miscarriage. It never really even crossed my mind. Um, and so we went on to have, uh, our daughter, uh, McKenna in April of 2018. And the, like I said, the pregnancy was really easy. Nothing really major came up. I did end up having, um, a fibroid. It's a very particular type of fibroid. I can't remember the exact name, but basically it's a fibroid that's located outside of your uterus. So it actually didn't cause any real problems. It was just something that they had to monitor throughout the pregnancy because it kind of grew with the hormones. And so that was really the only like, you know, quote unquote issue I would say that I had. Um, And then, yeah, so our daughter was born in April. We used midwives um, and we also had an OB throughout that just because of that fibroid. So we kind of were having the benefit of both worlds. And so went to the hospital. um, Birth was 
fairly easy. I did have an epidural, um, thankfully. And so at the very end, I had been pushing for quite a while. And so they decided, the midwife decided, you know what, we need, uh, we need an OB to come in and check this out. And this isn't always the same in every hospital, but um, I'm located in Ontario, Canada. And so our midwives are allowed to stay in the room and you basically have, like I said, the benefit of both worlds. So the OB came in, realized that, yeah, there is something we really do need to get this baby out a little bit quicker. So they ended up using a, a vacuum um, assist and she came out and everything was great. And I was very blessed and very lucky with that entire experience. Now, after that, um, I wanted like 10 kids. That's what I said to my husband, but we're like older. I'm 37 now. Um, so we were, yeah, we were older and I was like, I want to, I want 10 kids now that I have this beautiful baby and she's been so happy and so good. And we're really lucky to have her. And then, so we decided, you know what, let's wait a little bit, obviously, before we jump right back in here. And so we waited until she turned two. So that was just, um, April of 2020. So just last year. And so we decided again, you know, let's, let's start trying in the next little bit. And this time I was a little bit more aware of what could and couldn't go wrong. So I have um, two of my best friends. Um, one had experienced a miscarriage at about uh, six or seven weeks, I think. And the other had experienced just a, it was a really, it's her story to tell, but it was just really, really difficult. Um, she found out that her baby had some issues and um, I think it was heart, heart issues. And it wasn't until almost six months that she had to, um, basically uh, the baby was lost at six months. And so she had to deliver. And so at this point in my life, I was much more aware of what could and couldn't go wrong. It was really tragic losses and they're like my sisters. So it was, um, I was much more aware of this pregnancy. And so this time um, it actually did take us about maybe, uh, I think it was about four months to get pregnant with, um, with this baby. And so even, even knowing my age, um, you know, I was still every month kind of like, why, why is this happening? It was a, you know, one and done and with the first baby. And this time it seems to be a little bit harder, but I mean, I know in reality, four months is absolutely nothing. So again, I feel pretty blessed with that, that experience. So we were pregnant. Um, September is when I took the pregnancy test and yeah, it was super exciting. Um, it was, it's an interesting thing that I look back now that I did instantly have a little bit of fear versus my first pregnancy. Um, and I think, like I said, just having those experiences with my friends, um, I was a bit more nervous this time. Um, the first person I actually told was my daughter. So she was just two and a half at the time. And uh, I told her the next morning and I said, you know, let's go in and say to daddy, what, what what's going on like let's tell him what's going on and so she went in and said daddy I'm gonna be a big sister and um he was like what oh my gosh so excited and so we the three of us like the three musketeers we were very excited and even though she didn't know what was going on she was just caught up in the excitement of it and so with this pregnancy um, we decided to tell people earlier. So with our daughter, we actually didn't tell even my parents um, until almost close to the 12 week mark. I think we were like almost 11 weeks and all of our friends didn't find out till later, like 13, 14 weeks. I didn't tell my work until I was 16 weeks. And for whatever reason, with this pregnancy, we um, decided to tell people much earlier. So we told my parents and my sister and my um, sister-in-law and um, 
a few of our really close friends. Um, and then I ended up, I did tell my boss at 11 weeks that I was um, pregnant. And, um, you know, the reason for that is there was someone in our company that was leaving and this could potentially with the maternity leave in Canada, we actually get um, the option of 12 months, so a full year or 18 months, so um, a year and a half. So it is a big gap. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to tell him so that this person can um, potentially stay with the company if they choose to. And so, yeah, we told people a lot earlier this time. And I had the same symptoms as I did with my daughter. So I was quite sick, um, very tired, um, all of the same kind of symptoms. And so as soon as I found out I was pregnant, um, you know, I, that week, I think it was, so I would have only been like a week or two pregnant. I talked to my, my doctor, my general practitioner and said, Hey, um, you know, I'd like to get some blood work done. I'm pregnant. And so, um, she said, perfect, sent me for blood work and, um, that came back and everything looked good, confirmed the pregnancy. And then she said, you know what, I'm going to get you to get some blood work in another week or two to just uh, check your HCG levels, HCG levels and see um, how it's progressing. So that's pretty typical. And that had happened in my last pregnancy. Um, my doctor's a really great doctor, great family doctor. I'm really lucky to have her. And so she's on top of things. And um, yeah, so I got that done a couple weeks later and my HCG levels were skyrocketing. Everything looked amazing. And then she wanted to book me for an ultrasound at eight weeks. Um, and so this, again, similar to my last pregnancy, um, she just likes to see things and check in things early. And so at that time, I had actually contacted a different midwife clinic because we had moved recently. So it wasn't the same midwife clinic that I worked at, uh, worked with before. And um, they were great. They said, yeah, we'll get you in after that eight-week ultrasound um, just to do an intake and um, check everything. And so it was kind of all moving along pretty normal and similar to my last um, pregnancy. And so... Um, yeah, so I got um, the ultrasound at eight weeks. And luckily, um, so with COVID, it depends on the ultrasound clinic up here. Um, some don't allow your husband in at all um, or your partner, and some do. And so the clinic we went to, they did allow him in at the end. So again, really similar to my first pregnancy, um, went into the ultrasound at eight weeks and checked everything. Everything looked good. My husband was able to come in. We heard the heartbeat. And so it's an interesting thing, again, reflecting back that as soon as I heard that heartbeat, I feel like I, my, all my worries kind of went away. And I, you know, in theory, let my guard down because I was like, oh, there's a heartbeat. Everything's totally fine now. Um, you know, all the statistics you read. And again, this pregnancy was a little bit different as far as like mentally and emotionally because I was nervous um, versus my first pregnancy. I don't know how to explain it, but it was like just a fear that something was wrong. And I don't know how to pinpoint why I felt that way. Um, but I, I, I didn't even really feel like I was like, it's almost like I wasn't connecting as much to the baby and, um, just different than my first experience, but I chalked it up to, I have a toddler running around and busy. I can't just lay here and, you know, hold my belly and talk to the baby as much as I did with my first pregnancy. But there was something weird about it now that I look back. And so, yeah, at eight weeks we saw, we saw the baby and heartbeat and my husband and I were so excited and that obviously always makes it feel much more real 
And I did start to feel a little bit more connected. And I, like I said, I let my guard down that I heard the heartbeat and everything was going to be okay. So continued on um, and booked in for my 12 week scan. So the anatomy scan and the blood work. So you get the blood work and the anatomy scan done on the exact same day. So I pre-booked that um, ahead of time. And in between that time, my eight weeks and my 12 week scan, I actually met with my midwives. I was about 10 weeks, um, almost exactly, and um, went in. They were great. Um, they said, do you want to hear the heartbeat? And they kind of warned me that, you know, you can't always hear it with the Doppler. Don't be alarmed if you can't. And so I was like, and they kind of cleared it with me if I was going to be okay if I didn't hear the heartbeat. And I said, oh, yeah, like, I'm going to be okay. I've already heard it. I feel good about it. So she put the Doppler on and she found the heartbeat right away. Super strong heartbeat. I think it was like 165 beats per minute and um, everything was great. And I was feeling really good at that point. And that was, like I said, I think exactly at the 10 week mark. So fast forward to the 12 week ultrasound and I go into the same ultrasound clinic that I'd gone with my daughter and and again this last time with this baby and um I was feeling great so what actually happened that morning it was um the appointment was at 9 30 and my husband was dropping off my daughter at um her uh daycare Montessori school and so I said you know what you don't need to come like it's just kind of an anatomy scan if you want to you can he's like you know what I I'm not gonna I'm gonna drop her off I don't think I'm gonna make it to the ultrasound in time and this is how kind of confident I felt at the time and uh so he went about his day and i went to the ultrasound um on my own and went in and it was the same ultrasound tech that i had seen earlier and so we went in and you know nothing was seemed off at first and then i said um you know how how is everything and she said oh um you know you're just measuring a week behind you're supposed to be how long? And I said, well, I'm actually exactly 11 weeks, six days. So almost the 12 weeks. And she said, okay, you're just measuring a week behind. And instantly I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Like there was no fear still at this point. I just thought, oh, like that's probably pretty typical. I, you know, no big deal. And so um, she said, can I do a, a vaginal ultrasound, which she had done at the eight weeks as well. And I said, oh yeah, no problem. Like that's, that's fine. And so um, I, she let me go to the washroom and I came back and we did the vaginal ultrasound. And so at that point, so I was kind of thinking I should ask a little more, a few more questions. And so I kind of just said, you know, is that typical? Like how far behind? And she's like, yeah, just about a week. And so at that moment is when I kind of thought, huh, this seems a bit weird. Um, she seems like I'm a yoga teacher and I like believe in energy and all of that kind of hippie, I call it like hippie dippy stuff. And her energy had kind of changed. And I thought, uh, something's not right, but I still wasn't super fearful. I just thought, Oh no, there's something maybe wrong, but nothing major. And so that was done. And she said, Oh, can you just wait in the waiting room? Um, I just want to call the radiologist because, um, you're measuring a week behind. She just kept saying you're measuring a week behind. So I sat in the waiting room and I was texting my husband. I said, babe, I'm measuring a week behind. You know, I'm really getting a bit nervous here. Um, she's calling the radiologist doctor and um, then she's going to come back and talk to me. 
And so he texts me back right away. He's like, I did a quick Google search. It's super normal to measure a week behind. Don't stress. I think everything's fine. You know, don't worry. You'll be okay. And I said, yep, you're right. I did a Google search too, of course, like everyone does. And yeah, it's super common to measure a week behind. And that's what I was like hanging on to the words that she was saying was you're measuring a week behind. So then she came back in and said, um, yeah, what we're going to do is the radiologist is going to call your GP. So my, my family doctor and your family doctor is going to call you today. And then she said, if they don't call you in the next like hour or two, you should probably call them. And I was like, okay, that's it. So then I went downstairs. So at this clinic, um, the ultrasounds upstairs, downstairs, this is blood work. And so my appointments, I booked them back to back. So I went downstairs and the, um, the blood work kind of lady said, oh, you're missing the form from the ultrasound. Like if you're getting this same day, 12 week, whatever, there's a form that the ultrasound clinic needs to hand you to bring down here. So I was like, oh, perfect. I'll run back upstairs. So again, still oblivious and not thinking anything was wrong. So I go back upstairs and the receptionist um, was there and I said, hi, I was just here. Um, my ultrasound tech forgot to give me this form. And instantly the receptionist, I could tell she knew me, which made me think that the ultrasound tech had told her like this poor woman has lost her baby. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if I made that story up, but something was different. Like in her eyes, I was like, Oh, that's weird. Um, I just caught something. It was weird. So then the ultrasound tech came out and said, Oh, um, you don't need to get blood work today. And you don't need that form. You don't have to get blood work today. And I said, nope, I'm positive. Like my midwife, my doctor said, you have to get your 12 week ultrasound and your blood work done on the same day. That's why I booked it back to back. And she said, you know, you don't, you don't have to get it. You really just need to wait for your doctor to call you. And so I knew like instantly in that moment, I knew something was wrong. And I know, I don't know how it works in the US, but up here, um, ultrasound techs basically aren't allowed to kind of tell you what's going on, which is crazy. And my biggest regret is in that room, I didn't ask for a photo. I was kind of in shock, to be honest. I didn't ask for a photo, which I thought was weird. She didn't hear, like I didn't hear the heartbeat, right? Like there was no heartbeat. And so I instantly went, I, I turned, I said, okay, I turned and I went into my car in the parking lot and I didn't even go back downstairs to get all my paperwork that I'd left at the blood work clinic. I just left. I like bolted almost. And I got in the car and I called my husband and I said, something's really wrong. Um, I, I'm really scared. You know, I don't know what it is. And he said, you know, you need to just like pray. Like I'm, I was raised Catholic and it's so interesting that this year I actually started going to a new church. Um, and so I wasn't overly religious before January of this year. And I started praying again and um, reconnecting with that kind of part of me. And that was just uh, January of 2020, right? So he said to me, you know, you should pray. And, you know, um, if, if you're really worried, that's maybe something you should do. He's actually not a religious person at all, but he knew that was something important to me. So he's like, just pray and try and stay positive. And Dr. Goyal, our doctor is going to call you. And so I said, okay, um, I'll wait. I'll wait for a doctor to call. And she, and uh, you know, I'm going to try and stay calm here, you know, and I'm, I'm tearing up and I'm, you know, I'm crying, but I'm not hysterical at this point. So then unbeknownst to me, he was in the background calling our family doctor saying, Hey, um, you know, 
uh, he was calling the office or I think he was emailing her or texting her saying, you really need to call my wife. She's super nervous. Something went wrong with the ultrasound. Please call her right away. And so um, he was in the middle of doing that um, in the background. I didn't know what he was doing. Right. And so um, I'm waiting in the car. I said, you know what? I'm going to hang up. I'm going to call the midwife and get some reassurance from her while I'm sitting here waiting. So I called the midwife clinic and the receptionist answered and she, and I told her I was pretty, I was tearing up and she heard me choking up. And I said, look, like, this is what's just happened. They told me I didn't need my blood work. Why wouldn't I need my blood work? I'm starting to panic here. And she said, oh, it's totally fine. If you're measuring a week behind, don't stress. And she was so sweet and good to me. And basically saying, you know, don't stress, just wait here from your doctor. Um, your doctor's going to call you, I'm sure very soon. And while I was speaking to that midwife receptionist, my doctor called. So, I mean, this is all a matter of probably 15 minutes from the time that I left the ultrasound clinic and got into my car. And so thankfully, my doctor is amazing, like I said, and she called right away. She didn't wait. And she said, um, you know, Courtney, are you, where are you? And I knew like instantly that there was something really, really bad. And I said, I'm actually in the car in the parking lot at the ultrasound clinic. And she said, okay, is your husband with you? And I said, no, he's not with me. And I was like, what is it? Like, what's, what's wrong? And she said, I'm so sorry that I have to do this over the phone. And I'm so sorry, but there's no heartbeat. And so, yeah, I lost it. Truthfully, I'm sitting in this parking lot alone and I'm hysterical now at this point, like screaming and crying. And I'm saying, you know, to my doctor, are you sure? Are you sure? And she's saying, I am sure, um, you know, we've confirmed it with the radiologist. We've confirmed it with the ultrasound tech. Like there is no heartbeat because really when I think back, the ultrasound tech did take a while. Um, it wasn't like it was like a two second ultrasound. She took her time. And, and so, yeah, I just, I kind of lost it. And so um, my doctor kind of calmed me down and said, you know, do you want, do you need him? Like, you know, I think your husband needs to come get you. Um, I don't think you should drive home on your own. Um, I don't think you're safe to drive home on your own. And then um, she said, do you want to hear, you know, the next steps right now? Or what, you know, what do you want to do right now? And so in my head, I'm just like going over that, like, I'm, you know, there's a baby in my stomach that is dead, you know, like, I'm just like, I can't, it was just, it was very like shocking and like, almost like, instantly which is so strange like I was like I want this to be over right I don't I, I if the baby is gone and you're telling me the baby is gone I want this to be over and so I said yes I want the options I want to know what my options are right now and so she said okay option a is you wait and she said you know that can take two weeks four weeks five weeks six weeks it can be a long wait it's not instant and in my mind I'm thinking well I've already lost this baby and I actually in that conversation said you know she kept saying I was measuring a week behind and she said you know based on our estimates we thought that we think you were 10 weeks six days um so exactly a week when you lost the baby and so in my mind I'm thinking well the baby's been gone for a week you know um and I didn't even know it so I don't trust my body at this time to, to wait it out. So I said, that's not an option. What's the next option? And so she said, the next option is you can take a pill. And I knew what that meant because as I mentioned, my best friend had lost her baby at six or seven weeks and she did take the pill and it was a horrible, horrible experience. And so I thought that's not an option either. So no to option B, what's option C? 
she said a DNC. And so I knew exactly what that was. I'm actually a medical device sales rep. And so I'm very well aware of the operating room and what a DNC is and what the procedure is. And so even though I was really terrified of going under general anesthetic, I've never been under general anesthetic. That was my biggest fear. And so I said, you know what, that's, that's my option. That's what I want to do. And so she said, okay, we have a women's clinic um, at the hospital here. And basically I can call them right now. An OB will call you and you could get in as early as today. Um, but most likely it could be tomorrow. So I thought, yeah, just call them. Cause in my mind, I'm thinking, even if I change my mind, at least that's on the table as an option. So I hung up with her and I called my husband as soon as I hung up with her. And I told him that we had lost the baby. And I just kept saying over and over again, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he just kept saying, it's not your fault. And he was hysterical on the other end of the phone. And it was just horrific because we weren't together and I'm sitting in a parking lot at an ultrasound clinic, you know, people are walking by me and I'm hysterical crying. And so he said, do you need me to come get you? And I was like, no, I don't. I'm going to like pull myself together here and I'm going to drive myself home. And I need you to drive. Um, at this point, it was time to pick up my daughter because all of this has happened. But I said, you need to pick up uh, my daughter, our daughter and bring her to my parents. And so he said, yeah, I'm going to pick my kid up. I'm going to bring her to parents. And then that way we can deal with this. Um, thank God for my parents living not too far away and we having that support. So that's what he was doing. I kind of sat in the car crying, pulled myself together um, and drove home. And so when I got home, I sent a text to um, my girlfriends that I had shared the news with and said, this is what's happened. And, um, and then obviously my husband had told my parents what had happened. I called my sister and told her what had happened. Um, he called his sister. So it was like, we were just telling everyone what had just gone on. And, um, and so I came home and he was still, um, not at home yet. He was taking our daughter to my parents. And so I'm home alone. And um, I called the midwife and the receptionist and I told her what happened. And she said, I'm going to get your midwife to call you right away. And so she did. And we talked, um, her and I, and she said, you know, this isn't super common. Cause I kept saying, we heard the heartbeat, we heard the heartbeat. And she said, you know, it's not super common that you hear the heartbeat and you lose the baby. Right. So yeah, you're right. That's statistically, it's not super common, but it is more common than you think. Right. And my girlfriend who had lost her baby at the six month mark called me hysterical and I was hysterical and the both of us are crying and saying, you know, why does this, you know, it's supposed to be one in four. That's what everyone says. Oh, it's one in four. There's the three of us all experiencing this loss. And so we cried together and um, yeah, it was horrific. Right. So at this point um, I'm waiting for the OB at the hospital to call. So she calls explains what's going on and says to me, do you know, did your doctor, did your general practitioner tell you what was found on the ultrasound? And I said, no, like, I just know that the baby's um, stopped. Um, the baby's heartbeat stopped. And she said, okay, so what I found, if you want to know, I said, of course, I want to know. She said, I found that the baby had something we call cystic hydroma. And so basically what that means is that there's cysts at the back of the neck um, and there was like um, fluid in within the baby themselves. 
And ultimately that indicates there was something wrong. So that could be anything from Down syndrome, heart defect, um, you know, a number of things, but basically, generally speaking, it's a genetic defect. So quote unquote, there was a reason for your loss. And honestly, that did help. It helped me. And when I told my husband, it helped him um, because sometimes you don't know, right? There is no rhyme or reason. And for us, it did help to know that, that something had happened. And so um, she had said to me, you know what, I can get you in at the end of the day into the operating room and um, we'll do the DNC today. So I decided, yes, that's what I want to do. Um, and then finally, my husband um, uh, got home and I just, we cried in the driveway. We were just bawling our eyes out. <laughs> and basically I said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he just kept saying, it's not your fault. Um, I was just, I was just in shock at this point. So fast forward, we go to the hospital um, same day. So, I mean, this is like nine o'clock, the ultrasound or nine 30, and this is four o'clock in the afternoon. We're at the hospital. And so I had the surgery 6 PM that day. And I was very thankful. I mean, I've listened to your podcast so many times. And so there is obviously a difference in our healthcare and the U.S. healthcare. Um, I know that I have, my family lives in the States, my mom's side of the family. And so I just know how lucky we were to the, the thought of price or, you know, cost never even crossed my mind, right? That's just not how our system works. So I didn't have to think of insurance or what am I doing? None of that, right? So I know how lucky I am that we have a women's hospital that's, that takes you the same day. Cause I know there's people that have to wait a week or two weeks or who knows how long to have this procedure. And so that was something that I was grateful for, even in that moment. Um, and the doctor was amazing. The anesthesiologist was amazing because he knew that I was scared of the anesthetic. The nurses were amazing. And so they didn't treat it like a surgery, right? Like they treated it like a loss. And I went in, had the surgery. Everything went very well. I woke up. My husband was allowed to be in the recovery with me. And then we went home. And so that was like, we got home at nine o'clock at night my parents had brought because we had asked my parents to bring my daughter home um our daughter home and so yeah um i wanted her here the next morning just because i think she would help you know heal that loss and so it was a crazy crazy experience and that was all just in december so december 3rd is this the day that i had the ultrasound and the day that i had the dnc um and my recovery was really quick um you know, I didn't have a, a lot of bleeding. I didn't have a hard recovery as far as that goes. Um, and at that time, we have like a lot of lockdowns up here with COVID. But um, at that time, we weren't in a lockdown situation where you couldn't see anyone outside of your family. So we actually invited um, my parents, my sister, my nieces, my brother-in-law, and then his sister-in-law and her partner um, over on that Sunday. So I had the surgery on Thursday and on Sunday, you know, my my family was here with me. And on the Saturday, actually, my two girlfriends who had mentioned earlier in the um, in this were were here with me on the Saturday, um, just to grieve with me. So it's one of those things where you look back and you reflect back and think, you know, why did we tell all of those people, um, you know, ahead of time? And it's like is the reason because this loss was coming and we were going to need that support. And, you know, same thing with my, my work family, like I had told my boss and 
Um, so they all knew now that I had been pregnant and I had a loss. So my team knew. And so I had told them that I, I text my boss and said, look, I need some time here. Like I just had this experience and it's really crazy. And so, um, you know, that was another thing, like basically I just, this was December 3rd and I said, look, can I just not come back until January? Can I just take, you know, my two weeks, I had two weeks left of vacation. And I said, can I just take my two weeks and you kind of figure out the rest of it. And he said, yep, no questions asked. Yes. Like we'll see you back in January. And that's another thing I didn't have to worry about. Right. Like I knew that there's people um, that do have to worry about, you know, what happens to their job. But again, like up here, things are a little bit differently than my family in the States have experienced with, you know, medical things and losses and all of that. So again, another thing that I kind of had to look at and reflect on and be grateful, the support that I had. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my overall experience. And now um, where we're at now, I'm almost so two months um, post that surgery, I did four weeks later, exactly basically have a uh, regular period, which was so strange to me. Um, my pregnancy symptoms of nausea had actually gone away a week prior. So when I experienced the loss, I thought that, oh, I'm entering my second trimester. I'm finally going to start feeling better. And I was. And so now reflecting back, that was, um, we had lost the baby, right? And I didn't know that. And so I didn't have any of the pregnancy symptoms. When my period came back, um, yeah, it was a bit like, obviously sad that it was so quick. And it's just like, oh, I guess that's it. I guess we just move on from this. So um, I'd say the only thing I regret is I really wish that I had known, and I know not everyone would feel this way, but I really wish I had known if it was a boy or a girl. So we waited with our daughter to see when she was, uh, when she was born, if it was a boy or a girl. So we decided to do that again with this baby. And, um, I didn't get the, you know, they can send the baby and all the placenta and everything away for testing. And I regret not doing that, um, but I was in shock. I didn't know what the heck was going on. And so the OB had said, you know, it's not, it's your first miscarriage. It's not necessary. We don't really think that you have a genetic um, issue here, but if you do want to get testing, you can. And I was kind of in a fog and I was like, no, if you don't think it's necessary, then that's fine. And I guess, you know, when you do do that, you can ask them to um, tell you if it was a boy or a girl. And in my mind, it was a girl. And so that's what I'm always going to think that it was a little girl. And so, you know, after that loss, how I processed it, I mean, this podcast, truthfully, I listened to so many episodes of this podcast. And then I started looking into because this is just my type A personality, you know, how can I prevent this, which you can't, <laughs> I know that I know that you can't, but in my mind, I was thinking, is there something I could do? And so I actually found a book about um, like egg quality and, um, you know, how you can take supplements to maybe potentially help your egg quality and some scientific, you know, studies based on that. So I implemented that and started taking a bunch of supplements, but I know that, you know, supplements are not, there was nothing I could have done. Um, and I have to try and remember that. So we're going to start trying again um, in the next little bit. And when we experienced that loss that day, December 3rd, we both said, you know, we can't do this again. I can never experience this kind of heartbreak again. I'm done. We have a beautiful daughter, you know, let's just be done. And it's funny how in those moments, you know, literally the next day we both said, is that how we really feel? And it's not, <laughs> it's just so shocking and traumatic that you just can't, imagining experiencing that again um so we've decided 
we're going to try again. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we are at is trying again. And yeah, that's my story, I guess. So one thing that I always told myself when going through my miscarriages and like doing the research and trying to change things up is that, um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and right. results. So it just means we're not insane, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Even I though know. we might feel insane, totally. we're really not insane by yeah, definition. Just, totally. I know. I'm like, I have to just um, take some small control. So like whatever I have to take, you know, Coke Q10. Great. That's what I'm yep. taking now. And I'm taking vitamin <laughs> E. Perfect. Sounds great. Like, and it's just one of those things where like, I was taking prenatals forever. Cause it's just been my, but I was like, if I can add another pill, sounds great. So yeah, yeah that's, that's a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, feel that. I think everyone <laughs> does too. So yeah, for sure. For well, sure. thank you so much, Courtney, for doing this. I yes. always think at the end of every episode, if you have one, like whole, grail piece of advice for somebody in a similar similar situation what would it be yeah I think um there's I guess two things so one is I've always kind of had a gratitude practice so I try to think every day or write down you know three or four things I'm grateful for and so it's one of those things where you're like how the hell can you be grateful for this experience because I'm not I want my baby right like that's what I what I actually want and it's one of those things where you know she I would say she because that's what I think was supposed to be born actually on our anniversary so our fifth year anniversary is coming up in June and so I think of those and you're always spiraling thinking like what if and the dates and they would be this month old and you know this year and I think you're always going to have those dates And I think for me, it's not the gratitude in this loss. It's just looking for the moments that I can be grateful for to get me through the day. So like I'd mentioned, you know, there was little things like the support I had from my friends and family. Not, not everyone has that. I had so much support and my husband was literally the greatest partner and just so there for me and there for McKenna and just picking up the slack when I was lacking and, So that's one thing, you know, the gratitude that I have um, for my work, my work family was so good to me, our healthcare system, you know what I mean? Like, it's not perfect, but my gosh, those people were so good to me and the doctors and the fact that they took care of me and I didn't have to, you know, think of anything. So I'm, you know, finding the gratitude in those little moments really, really helped me. And then um, the other thing is finding, giving myself some grace, you know, like I'm not at my best and I am, like I said, a type A kind of like, this is how we have to move forward and this is how you grieve and this is, and there is no handbook, right? Like everyone grieves differently and every process is differently. And so give yourself some grace if you're, you know, lashing out or if you're acting not like yourself or you know, you're not, you know, bouncing back quickly. Like I said, I just had this loss in December. And so in theory, it's a very quick, you know, timeframe for me to be speaking about it. But the reality is I had support and I had therapy, right? Like I, I actually didn't mention that I, I went to um, well, a virtual therapist that specializes in um, miscarriage. So she had experienced nine miscarriages of her own and she's a, a therapist. And so she was super helpful for me. This podcast, you know, like I think, um, just give yourself some grace if it's taking you a long time to move past it or if, or if you move past it quicker than you thought you would. Um, so yeah, I'd say gratitude and grace were the two things that really, really helped me. I love that. And I totally agree. Uh, mm-hmm. If somebody wants to reach out to you, where can they do so? 
Yeah. So I actually, um, probably the best place is my Instagram. So it's Ella Beth Co. Um, and I do write a blog, so it's related to that. So you can find everything on my, on my Instagram is probably the easiest place. Perfect. And I will go ahead and I will link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much, Courtney, for doing this. We appreciate it. Thank you again. Like I'm so thankful for this as a resource because truthfully, I just, um, I found it literally the very next day. Cause I said, I need to listen to other people that have gone through this. And so I'm really thankful for you and for this podcast. Awesome. Well, I'm happy it found you. And I, yes. I truly <laughs> think that it's so nice to be able to talk to strangers and listen to a hundred percent. Yeah. All yeah. Of us too, you know, yes. yeah, um, definitely feel like you're not being judged at all or you know like exactly I don't know that's exactly no and that's the thing like even though I had great support from family and friends I still needed like more women to hear from you know what I mean like even though my two best friends had experienced such loss I needed more people Mm -hmm. um and it was so so good to hear other people's stories and what they were going through yeah I totally agree well thank you Courtney and I'll talk to you yes thank you okay thanks Thank you so much for listening. If you want to share your life after miscarriage story, go to ShellyMetling.com. Click on the life after miscarriage tab and add yourself right to the recording schedule. And I can't wait to chat with you soon. Next one.